Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of Rabbi Adam Klickfeld's Yoma class. Well, what I want you to think about as we're reading this is in the same way you would read a, um, a series of verses from the Torah, what questions would you ask on this Mishnah, right? The Mishnah is intended to be straightforward. It's supposed to be a uh, an easy to memorize, easy to transmit collection of rabbinic law and lore, mostly law, but some lore. Uh, but obviously the Mishnah deserved uh, and needed more interpretation because that's why you have the Gemara. That's why you have the Talmud. And that's why you have the commentaries, right? You have the rabbinic commentary directly on the Mishnah from the Gemara. And then of course you have later medieval commentary and modern commentary directly on the Mishnah, both taking into account materials from the Gemara and not. So let's see if we can raise some questions on this Mishnah. Mishnah, Chapter 1, Mishnah 3. And remember that what happened in Mishnah 1 was that the Kohen Gadol would be brought to this Lishkat Palhedrin, or Parhedrin, depending on which version of the word uh, you're going by, to be isolated for about seven days before Yom Kippur. Okay, I skipped over the Mishnah number 2. Masrulo zikenin zikneveitin. They sent to him, or delivered to him, elders from the elders of the court, the Korin Lefanav, and the implied they here are the elders, would read or recite in front of him, Baseder Hayom, from the order of the day. Okay, I'm not going to comment on it yet. I just want to get the basic words out. I want to hear your questions. But Omrimlo, they would say to him, to who? The Kohen Gadol. Ishi, interesting phrase. My, my man, my master, sir, is that a Mishnaic way of saying sir? It's a, it, it's a very interesting formulation. Even in, uh, in, in, when referring to, um, one's husband in, in rabbinic law, you wouldn't say ishi, it's ba'ali. So the question is, what does ish mean here? My man, sir, something. Ishi kohengadol, sir kohengadol. Kra ata baficha. Now you read it from your mouth. Right? So the presumption is that the elders have been reading from Seder Hayom, the order of the day. I'll leave that unexplained. And at some point they say to him, Sir, your turn. Shema shachachta. Maybe you forgot. O shema lo lamata. Or maybe you never learned. Period. Right? So that's the first sentence of the Mishnah. A lot happens in that first sentence. And we'll go back to it. Erev Yom HaKippurim. On the day before Yom Kippur. So we have to imagine that the thing that was described in the first sentence is happening every day of those seven days leading up to Yom Kippur when he's in isolation. Shachari, so morning, the morning of Er Yom Kippur, Ma'amidin Oto Bashar Mizrah. They place him at the eastern gate of perhaps the chamber he's in, closer to the Holy of Holies. Uma'avirin Lefanav. They would make pass in front of him. Not sure this this is clearly not evocative of the Unatanatokov because the Unatanatokov is about a thousand years after that. But for those of us who associate Unatanatokov with Shanyom Kippur, the idea of being ma'avirin lefanav, having someone go, having the animal go before the, uh, someone else, right? The Unatanatokov, the image is the shepherd and the sheep. This is animals, but it's in, coming in front of the pro, uh, high priest for a different reason. Parim, bulls or oxen. Ve'elim, rams, u'kvasim, and sheep. K'day shi'ehei makir, so that here, it's a singular noun, so assumingly, assumedly it's the Kohen Gadol, would makir, recognize, 
viragil and become familiar ba'avodah with the worship service. That's the Mishnah. Two sentences. Information is that the height that the zakenim are reading the order of the day in front of him. At some point, they say you need to do it yourself, lest you forgot, lest you never learned it. And on the day of, they would parade in front of him all of the animals that he would have to be sacrificing on Yom Kippur the next day so that he would recognize them, be familiar with them, and know what to do. Okay, don't try to answer the questions. Just who, who can raise a question or two on this uh, Mishnah? You can unmute. Uh, you can ra- actually, a good idea. raise your hand and I'll call on you, and then you can mute and unmute. Yes, Marshall. Why do they have to instruct the high priest to do this? Right. Isn't that, this is like Ikar Chaser Min HaSefer, like the main thing is missing from the text. This is, you know, the, 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 the person who's been primed his entire life for this moment. Right. So one question is, what do the Zekinim know that the high priests don't know? You could ask a meta question. Why is it significant? Like putting aside whether or not this is actually how it happened, right? Because this is now written after the fact. Why is it significant in a rabbinic text, a Mishnaic text? that they have the image of the high priest in some ways lowered down and needing to be raised up by the scholars. Okay, good. Larry, yes, and then David. Why do they implicitly insult him by suggesting that he either has forgotten or would not have learned? Great. There's a covetic way and a non-covetic way to tell someone the authority that they that they need to sh- to shore up. I think it's a Masach Kedushin that it says that if you have to correct a rabbi or a parent, you you do it in the form of a question. You say, is it not true that perhaps the rule is this way, as opposed to saying you're reading it wrong, right? So this is the opposite of that. You read it yourself, lest you forgot it or you never learned it, right? So it's so it's a question on the question. Why do they have to teach him, and why is the communication to him? so direct and potentially insulting. There you go. Yeah, sorry. Um, thankfully, Zoom popped up and said I was muted. So, um, the, um, um, just regarding the, the, all of the um, oxen and rams being passed uh, before him to recognize them, could this also be a, uh, a verification process that they are unblemished? So is it on him if, if something slips by? Good. So I'm going to, I'm going to turn your question around and, and to make it a more direct question on the Mishnah, but I'm glad you raised that. You could imagine that if we were ma'avirining, if we were passing in front of the high priest, these animals, the reason why we would be doing so is so that he could assess their kashrut. He could be the mashkiach. So, so why is it that if we're going to do this ritual where the day before these poor animals, poor animals are going to be slaughtered, they are coming before him. It's not so that he can exemplify his expertise, but rather so that we make sure that he has the expertise, right? So, so you, your, your question actually represents the way that it would have made more sense. Let's make sure that he's comfortable and, and feels that the, the kashrut and the standards of each of these uh, animals is as it should be. But that's not what we say the reason is. Barry and then Norm? So, uh, a statement and then a question. Um, so, it, 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 well, I'll start with the question first. Uh, who, who are the elders? And who, who are the elders of the elders? And I, I, my sense is 
the high priest is in a in a state of being born again. He he he's being born as a high priest for the ceremony. It's and and he he he's he's being wrapped and covered and taken care of by the elders of the elders. Uh huh. Good. So it's not just so. Who, who are the zakenim? And and um, Barry's reading very closely that it's Masrulo zakenim music nevedin. So there are elders of the Beitin. From those, some group of, of uber elders are chosen. Who are they and why were they chosen? And you're also asking us to imagine kind of, kind of the, 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 the optics and the aesthetics and the symbology of what's happening with the, uh, the high priest cloistered in a narrow space and then emerging, uh, you're suggesting, as, 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 as a new priest almost from scratch, as if, as if he's learning this all over again, right? Uh, and by the way, we don't, have anything in the mission that suggests that if it's the same high, that, that this is only on the high priest's first year on the job, right? This might have been the high priest's 20, 30 year on the job. It suggests that this ritual happened every single year. Uh, are there any other hands up? I can't see. I have to scroll. Uh, Ilana, please. I guess um, just to raise the possibility that um, that rather than um, sort of insulting the high priest by saying, hey, read it yourself with your own mouth. Maybe it just reflects the idea that maybe that perhaps the high priest has has read it only <laughs> through, has, has heard it through other people's mouths. In other words, has not examined it himself, has just taken for granted the, the words and perhaps the interpretations of others, um, hasn't experienced it himself yeah. um something like that good so we're, we're shifting a bit from questions to answers which is fine and if i could just reframe that perhaps what's going on here is a little bit less not sinister but insulting which is we're learning something very important about you know how how people learn right it's one yeah. thing to have for him, for him to have heard it from his mentor it's another thing to actually say it out loud yourself by the way i i do this all the time with with students when i when i um when I, I have been in mitzvah students write out an outline for their drash, it, even though it's basically the same format and outline every single time, I don't just hand it to them and read it to them. I have them write it out so that in the process of it coming from their typing hands or their fingers, their mind is actually working on it on a different level than if they were just experiencing, experiencing, experiencing it auditorily. Right? So that might be a softening of Right, Larry said, "Kra seems quite insulting. You do it yourself, maybe you forgot it. And Alana is suggesting maybe that's actually the proper way to instruct someone. Now it's your turn, right? Um, Stevie's hand was up, and then we'll go into some of the commentary. Are you ready for answers or still just questions? Let me see if there are any more questions on the Mishnah, meaning questions one would ask on the Mishnah. Marshall? Uh, the, the first word is sort of interesting, masru. Uh, yeah. They delivered, you know, we know the word Masoret is a tradition. Mm. Uh, what's being implied by the use of that word? Good, right? Another question, which as far as I can tell, the commentaries don't spend a whole lot of time on. Sometimes a, a verb is just a verb, but it's an evocative verb because of the notion of Masora and, you know, the, the transmission of tradition. This might just be the Mishnaic Hebrew word to say, bring to him. But uh, I'm glad you raised that. Okay, any other questions besides... Um, Stevie's wanting us to, wanting to give us some answers. Okay, Stevie, let's go to you. 
and then we're going to look at some commentaries. Okay, so two thoughts, I guess. Uh, first, on the why, why why do they have to, you know, teach him? And it it surprisingly almost seems like a democratization of the of the status of the high priest that like. You know, you have to be born into it, but anyone can do it, right? Because, like, people are helping you through it, um, which is somewhat surprising but interesting. And on the the second part, on the animals, I think this translation is a little bit problematic with the, right, the, the last phrase here, it says, become familiar with the service as though that's a, as though that, that line applies to the whole, to the whole Mishnah. And it could also be uh, read that davoda meaning, right, like for the service, right, that the animals will be familiar with him, right, like a president, you know, meeting the turkeys the day before Thanksgiving so that when they do the big ceremony in front of the cameras, the turkeys don't go berserk, right? Like, so the animals, um, so I guess the superficial, or I guess the, the first part of that would be that, that the animals will, you know, be comfortable with this person being around them who's not their normal, uh, you know, feeder or person who takes care of them. And then I think on a deeper level is the idea that when the priest is going to, you know, slaughter an animal, that it's not like he just bought the animal that day, but it's actually an animal that he's got inside a relationship with, which, I mean, sacrifices, I think, are intended to be that way, that we know that there were people selling animals, you know, uh, right outside the temple, um, for the, but that, that I think the idea of like the, the idealized sacrifice would be a sacrifice of an animal that's an animal that you know, as opposed to an animal that you just got for that purpose. Good. Let me start with the second comment first, right? Prepositions in Hebrew are sometimes mysterious and pluripotent, right? So ragil ba'avoda, so that he, the high priest, would become aware of makir ragil ba and and familiar with you're saying it might not necessarily mean that to to remind him how to do the ritual but so that he become familiar with these particular animals for the ritual that's going to happen tomorrow that's true it's true that the b there on avodah does not tell us which way to read that and the first comment um we're really now getting into the the good material and we're gonna it's gonna lead right into the bartonura right the the mishnah is in many ways um, a collection of the most important rabbinic laws and stories that the rabbis want to transmit to the next generations, their understanding of, of, the, of the Torah truly lived out. And in some ways, it's a polemical text. It's a polemical text that is written both during and to celebrate the triumph of a scholarly class, and we discussed this a little bit last time, over an inherited class, where leadership comes from what you know, and your mastery, not whom you were born to. So you can imagine the polemics in this scene, right? You've got a high priest who may or may not, well, hold on a second, know everything, who may or may not have earned his position. Maybe he was just the oldest son of the previous high priest, and, you know, there are plenty of British kings whose whose oldest children are not necessarily the the, 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 the right fit for the throne. And you've got the Zakain who spent his entire adult life and probably a lot of his childhood, independent of how he was born, learning the very material that this high priest is going to get the credit to actually perform. So this might be a, uh, a text which shows us a window into the Pharisee-Sadducee split, 
right? The Sanhedrin victorious over, I don't know, the, the, perhaps the well-heeled and well-bred and well-born high priests. Larry, and then I want to read the Bartonora. Say briefly, I think we're, maybe we're making too much of this. If you extract the uh, insulting line, which I think is explained by the fact that by the time that they wrote this, they were well aware that the high priest was often a um, not such a, a credible person. Um, I think there were a lot of people who, who rose to it by bribery and other things. The rest of it is simply saying, let's rehearse. Yeah. And, and ragil is like targil. It's a practice. Yeah. It's a practice to do. So don't mess up because it's a big deal. Like I'm sure... You and Rabbi Cantor Chorney do before the high holidays as well to make sure that it's all staged and choreographed correctly. Great. And remember what Larry just said when we get to not the Bachanura, but the commentary a few after that, which may happen, not happen until next week. The piece that suggests to me that this is at least a little bit polemic, it's one thing to say Shema Shachachta. Maybe you forgot. I forget things all the time. And that's why Chazara, re-learning re, your material is significant. And in fact, it's a, it's a rabbinic value. So they, they wouldn't be poo-pooing the notion that he had to do Chazara because they have instituted the notion. But Shema Lo Lamata, perhaps you've never learned this, right? There's a, there's a shtickle of a, of a, of a get there. Maybe high priest, I don't know, maybe you were never taught this in whatever, you know, priestly palace you were brought up in. The Bartonor, Rabbi Obadja Bartonor, an Italian commentary on the Mishnah, kind of the, the classic um, uh, Middle Ages or late Middle Ages commentary on the Mishnah. On the phrase Shema Lo Lamata, perhaps you didn't ever study it. The Bigdash Shemi, during the Second Temple period, right, from the time that Ezra built it in the you know, 5th or 4th century BCE until it was destroyed by the Romans in 70 CE, Hayutsri Chin Lachach, they needed to throw in this line to the high priest, suggesting that according to Bartonura, this ritual, this litany was not said to high priests in the 10th, 9th, 8th, 7th, 6th centuries BCE, because there wasn't a problem. Um, because in the second temple period, they would prop up high priests that are not, um, it's a great word, kahogen means appropriate, Sometimes I, this one's translated as honest. By the way, the, the translations here are, um, are, are uh, where, where Safari has its own translations. I took them a couple down below. I made my own translations. So the translation of the Mishnah and the translation of Bartanura is just whatever, whatever translations on Safari. Um, you, you may know the word Hagun uh, uh, from the Hinani prayer that the Chazan says before Musaf. Uh, Even though I might not be worthy or Hagun ready, prepared, knowing what to do for this thing. <clears throat> so in the second temple period, according to Bartanura, many high priests who had the most significant ritual position in the community were not appropriate, did not know what to do. Alpi hamahut, rather they got there via their relationship with the king. The ilu b'mikdash rishon, but for the, and during the first temple period, lo midin kohen gadol, they would only appoint or, or elect a Kohen Gadol, Ela HaGadol Shebekoanim, properly would be the most worthy and the grandest of the high priests, Bechochmah, in wisdom, Benoi, in aesthetics and beauty, Bechoach, had to be a starker, strong guy, Uva Osher, and wealth. So even in the less corrupt first temple period, part of your qualifications to be a high priest had to do with money, and that's going to come up later in the commentary. Vim Lo Hayalo Osher, 
And let's say the high priest didn't have wealth of his own. He's now, I think, still rhapsodizing about the first temple period, which is considered to be, you know, romantically a more simple time, even though the books of Kings suggest that it was never really a simple time. Echav um, his brother Koanim, Megadlinoto, would raise him up, Mishalehem, from their own. That means they would uh, donate. Right. If it was significant that the high priest be able to kind of bring into the into the high priesthood some of his own funds, if he was proper in chokhmah and wisdom and noy and koach, but didn't have enough money, his other high priest would like would would would, would help him pay the initiation, or help him pay the the uh, the, the fee. Shinamar, as it says in Vayikra Kafala, twenty first chapter of Vayikra, the Hakohen Hagadol Me'echav. It's a wonderful read of that phrase. Pshat Hagadol Hakohen Hagadol Me'echav is the Kohen Gadol who is greater than his brothers. But remember, prepositions in Hebrew can mean several things. Me can mean than comparatively. Me can mean from the Kohen who became Gadol from his brothers. Gadluhu Mishalachav, that they raised him up with what they had in their own. So the Bartanura suggests that what we're dealing with here in this Mishnah is is kind of the real politic of a high priest who didn't even have the like the wisdom of the first temple high priest, but maybe had to collect some extra money, but may have no qualifications to be in this role, except that he was somehow in with the, in with the with the king of the generation, or he'd been appointed for some reason, or maybe by implication only had Osher, only had wealth, and had nothing else. Um, when we meet next time, and I'm sorry to cut off here, but um, I'm kind of committed to ending this at 8:30 for my sake and for your sakes. We'll t- talk a little bit more about um, what is the positive implication of their reviewing the material with him. And, the, and one of the commentators we're going to read um, looks at the list of animals that they would bring before him. Right? And I'll leave this as a cliffhanger: a par, an isle, and a keves; a bull, a ram, and a sheep. There is one very interesting animal name, particularly as you think about the rituals of Yom Kippur, that is not on this list. And the question is, is the absence of that animal name interesting or uninteresting? And we'll get to that when we uh, meet next week. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.